Have you ever been really inspired by what you heard, but you can't remember any of it? I mean, let's be honest. You, you've, you've been there, right? Like, you're just scrolling, and there was that three-minute clip, and, it, boy, that was really good. I don't know what it said, but it was really good, okay? But we are, as a church, wrapping up our study of the Gospel of John. Now, as the, for those who haven't been with us, that's okay. We're going to recap everything this morning. I've preached over 30 messages in the Gospel of John since September, so it's going to be a long mess. I'm just kidding. We're not going to try to go back over everything we've talked about. But we do want to take some time to make sure that we let the message that John has been conveying to us over the last several months sink into our hearts. Because, like I said, it has been since September. How many of you were with us in September when we started uh, through the Gospel of John? Okay. We've had a lot of folks who have been in and out. We've had some new folks who have come. We've got some guests today. So this is a great recap for you to get kind of an idea of what we've been talking about, what we've been looking at, and all that we've been celebrating. So as we have gone back through this, uh, like I said, it's over 30 Sundays that it's taken us to work our way through this book, which is actually fast for me. Um, for some of you, you're really wishing that we could go back and, and dig in deeper. Maybe we should, you know, in the fall we'll preach John again, only take like three years this time, right? Uh, we could do it. I, I'm, I'm game for that, but I don't think anybody else really is. That's okay. Others of you, it's, it's been way too long. You're just ready to be done with it. And, and I get that, right? Some of you, maybe you feel like it's kind of Goldilocks. We've hit right in the middle, not too short, not too long. It's been just about right. But this morning, what I want us to do is to go back to the key verse that John gave us and the key central idea that's been carrying us all through the Gospel of John. Now, we're going to be looking through a bunch of different passages, so I'd encourage you to go ahead and open your Bible up to John chapter 1, because we're going to kind of jump around through the Gospel of John as we look at this this morning. And by the way, I'm going to make every attempt to keep it brief today, all right? I don't know that you're going to be the first ones to the restaurant, but you might make it before some of the latecomers, okay? But as we're doing this, what we're going to do is I want us to dive back into what is the key verse out of the Gospel of John for us, where he gives us his purpose in writing the book. That's in John chapter 20, verse 31. We'll put it up here on the screen. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John said all of the things that he wrote in here, the teaching of Jesus, the, the miracles that Jesus did, the opposition that Jesus faced, everything that he recorded in this book, he wrote them so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we're going to use that as our template because here's what I want you to remember if you think nothing else about the Gospel of John. I want you to walk out of remembering that just like everything in life, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what John has been about, and that's what our lives should be about. And so my hope is, as we're reminded about what John has shown us about who Jesus is, that if you've never done it before, that today you would believe in his name, that you would trust Jesus, that you would follow him. And for those of us who do know him, I'm hoping that this will remind you of how great a God he actually is. Okay? So what we're going to do is use that verse as kind of a, a few different ways for us to think through the, the gospel as we go through it. So go ahead and go back to John chapter 1. And from the very beginning of the gospel, John is going to establish for us that, number one, Jesus is the Son of God. The Son of God, okay? So John opens the book talking about the Word. If you read there in verse 1 with me, 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So what we find from the very beginning of the gospel is that the Word is God. Now, we find out later as we're going through this that John's referring to Jesus as the Word. So from the very beginning, from the very outset of his gospel, John makes it clear that Jesus is God. Unequivocally, as you look through this, this book teaches us that there is no part of Jesus that is created or somehow less than God the Father, that he's just kind of sort of a smaller God or not as powerful or wasn't always God. None of those things are true. And John shows us from the very beginning of the gospel that Jesus himself is God. Now, part of that, what that does is that means we should probably pay more attention to him than a TED Talk or YouTube video or our TikTok video, right? Like, when, when Jesus speaks, he's not just a good moral teacher who's giving us a good way to live or kind of giving us the highlight reel. He is God, and we should pay attention to him as such, right? Wouldn't you agree that if God's speaking, that's probably something you ought to listen to, just in, as a general rule? If not, you should. Okay, let's go ahead and just get on the same page there, all right? Jesus, as God, when he speaks, it's important. Now, when we jump down to verse 14, we see some more incredible points about Jesus. It says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have observed his glory, the glory as of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here we see that this doesn't mean that he's created or less than the Father, because we already saw that back in in verses 1 and 2, right? Jesus is God, right? Word was God. So clear. But what we do see is that Jesus has a unique role within the Godhead as the Son of God. That doesn't make him less than the Father. It means that he has a different role that he fulfills and that he plays. What was Jesus' role? To make the invisible God visible to us. Right? In the Old Testament, you couldn't look at God. You couldn't see him. Even when he did show up, there were times when, like for Moses, Moses wanted to see God's glory and said, all you can see is my back. Because if you saw me as I really am, you would die. You think about Isaiah, when he sees this vision into heaven, as he sees God on his throne, he, he says, woe is me, for I am undone, right? But yet Jesus takes on flesh, the invisible God made visible, walking around as a baby. Like, does it blow your mind as it should that Jesus was once a toddler? Like, there was a time when his mom and dad had to feed him. There was a time when Jesus tripped over a rock while he was learning to walk. The God of the universe took on human So in a way that was inconceivable before Christ's arrival, God humbled himself to become flesh for us. It said that Jesus was full of grace and truth. So that means that Jesus accurately taught and demonstrated that who God is and what he's like. He showed us what grace is. Now remember, when we think about grace, if you're not familiar with churchy terms, usually when we think about grace, we think about a graceful dancer. 
Um, you think of the opposite of me. I am anything but graceful. Uh, I will trip over my own feet. One of everybody's favorite games every Sunday is to wait to see if I'm actually going to fall off the front of the stage. Um, it used to be that, that those plugs were a little bit more pronounced than they are, and I, everybody watched, or I'd walk a little further, and they waited for me to trip over one of those. I'm not graceful. It's just part of it. But that's not what we mean by grace. Grace in the Bible is the idea of God giving us what we don't deserve. You see, the reality is all of us deserve to be separated from God forever because we've all chosen to do what we wanted to do instead of what God called us to do. And there's not a single one of us who can make ourselves right with God, but God loved us so much that he would send Jesus to take on flesh to walk around with us and to rescue us and save us. See, there's no other religion in all of the world that teaches something like this. Every religion is about how hard I can work to appease whatever God or higher power or whatever it is that's, that's out there. Everything is about doing my best, trying my hardest. Christianity alone says you can't do it. You're not good enough and you never will be. But God knew that and he loved you so much he would leave heaven to come to you as we'll see to die in your place. So John begins by describing the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God, fully, 100%, never stopped being God. Yet at the same time, he's the God who took on flesh, who showed us grace, who gave us forgiveness, who gave us love, who gave us mercy and tenderness when we deserved all of the opposite. So from the very outset, we see that he is the Son of God. By the way, those who truly trust in him and him alone for eternal life will find the grace to become his children, adopted into his family. Go back to verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So for those who believe in his name, you get adopted into the family that gives us status and purpose unlike anything else in history. So John begins by exalting the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the God who created the universe, who said, I am, and by pointing to the divine name that God has given his people, he showed that he was the Son of God. Not only that, though, number two, Jesus showed us that, or John showed us that Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the Messiah. Now, shortly after God made people, we broke the world. I mean, literally, that's how it went. God made us and told us there was one thing we were not supposed to do, and we did the thing that we were not supposed to do. So we set a division between us and God. From that very moment, he began to make a promise that he would one day send someone who was going to set it all right. By the time you progress through the rest of the Old Testament, you come to refer to this person as the Messiah, God's anointed one. It's the Messiah or the Christ. They're both the same thing, depending on whether it's Hebrew or whether it's Greek. The Messiah was the one that was God's special servant who was going to come and save his people. He was going to come and rescue them from all the things that they had done wrong. And so they're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for somebody, this special anointed servant of God, who's going to come and set things right. What John makes clear throughout the gospel is that Jesus is that Messiah. He's the special servant that God had promised to send to save his people. One of the ways that John points this out is through the miracles that he records Jesus doing. We see in chapter 2 where he turned water into wine at a wedding feast. 
that symbolized the joy that was coming with God's kingdom in a new way. We see throughout the book where he heals the sick and even raises the dead. Flip over to chapter 4 because this is one of the clearest times we see him revealed as the Messiah. Here in chapter 4, Jesus is passing through a rough part of the country. He's traveling through an area called Samaria, which is what most Jews would have typically avoided, yet he's going right up through the middle of it. Not only that, he sits down at a well and starts talking with a woman that he finds there. Guys didn't do that back then. You didn't talk to a woman who wasn't your wife. In fact, some people wouldn't even talk to their wife in public. It was considered unkind or uncouth, rather. Yet here he is talking to this strange Samaritan woman who, if you read through the story, you find didn't have the best background. She had been married multiple times, divorced multiple times, and was now living with a guy that wasn't her husband. So here's what happens. As Jesus is talking with her, he starts to tell her details that there's no way he could have known. He starts telling her all about her life. He starts pointing her to what the Messiah is going to do when he comes, what real worship looks like. So there in John chapter 4, verse 25, the woman looks at Jesus and said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Okay? It doesn't get any clearer than this, by the way. Jesus said, I am the Messiah, period. I'm the one. I'm the one that was promised. All of the miracles, the fact that I know all of your background and all of these things, that's because I'm the Messiah. Not me, by the way. Jesus. If I ever start talking about myself like I'm the Messiah, please take me to Carillion um, quickly because there's something seriously wrong with me. (laughs) My wife just acknowledged that a little too readily. It's Mother's Day. We'll let it go. Here, he clearly and unequivocally says that he is the Messiah. He's the one that God promised to send to save his people. Now, there's a problem with that, though. In the promises of the Old Testament, there's this thing that happens where God gives a lot of prophecies, and they kind of blend together when actually they're talking about different times. When God's people were looking at this, they knew that God was going to send a Messiah, and they thought what he was going to do was come in from day one, he's going to throw the Romans off, he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, he's going to rule the world, and they're going to be the ones that are in charge of it, and it's going to be awesome. But they missed that there were some other promises about what would happen to his followers. They didn't realize that the Messiah was the one that Isaiah had spoken about in Isaiah chapter 53. See, part of the Messiah's role was this, Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. You see, They didn't realize that before the Messiah would come and set up his rule and reign in Jerusalem, he was going to come to die. He was going to come to sacrifice himself. But we've got a dog now. He's about six months old, not quite yet. He doesn't listen very well. There are moments where I want to strangle the dog because you know I can whisper his name from the next room over, and if he's in the right mood, he'll come running. If he's in the wrong mood, 
he ignores you like he's got cotton balls in his hand. Right? What? Are you? You know what God's been teaching me through our dog? How many times in my life am I like that with Jesus? He's told me clearly in his word what's right and what's wrong. But just like Charlie chooses to go, huh? Just like sheep wander astray, I do too. So do you. What John's showing us is that Jesus, as the Messiah, as the anointed servant of God, the special one who came to save his people. He didn't come just to save his people from Roman oppression. He came to save his people from their sins. And that would require him dying on the cross. It would require him taking all of my sin upon himself and hanging there broken and naked and bleeding and ashamed as Jesus, the Son of God, who is the Messiah who came to save me from my sin, to die on the cross. John's been pointing to this all through the gospel. John makes it clear that through his miracles and his teaching that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. But as Jesus goes to the cross, he makes it clear that the Messiah had to suffer and die on our behalf. He also is the one that makes it clear by saying it is finished, that the Messiah was the one who on the cross paid the penalty for your sin and for mine. You see, he's the Messiah, the Son of God. By the way, the Jews had no concept of the fact that God could have been the Son of God, the Messiah. That that blew their minds because there was no way in history that that could have happened. Yet our God is so good. That's exactly what he did. John said, I write these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. And by believing you may have life in his name. What's the third thing we want to see? That Jesus is life. Jesus is life. The reason we find life in Jesus by believing in him is because he himself is life. Flip over to John chapter 11. We find this most clearly expressed here, although he says it in John 14, 6 as well. If you remember the story, this is the story of the death of Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus's. He was friends with Mary and Martha, his sisters as well. But Jesus intentionally stayed away while Lazarus was dying because he knew that God had a plan in raising him from the dead. So Jesus shows up and he begins talking to Lazarus's sister who said, if you had just been here, I know that my brother would have lived. But here's Jesus' response to her. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's a great question for you. Do you really believe this? Unfortunately, our church family has been confronted with a lot of death over the last year. But this is the hope. This is the joy. This is the celebration. Because even if we die, we live. Because we live in the presence of God forever. Not because of what we have done, but because Jesus is life. Because he's the one who died in my place and was buried but didn't stay dead. 
That's what we looked at at Easter. In John chapter 20, we see that they go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. There's no body there because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And his life that he was raised with was totally different than when he raised Lazarus. See, he brought Lazarus out of the grave to show that he is the resurrection and the life. He showed that he is the one who has the power and authority over life itself by raising Lazarus. But you know what? Lazarus just kind of, he was really dead, but he was resuscitated the same way. He came back to the same kind of body that he had. Jesus, however, when he was raised from the dead, he was raised in such a way that his body was transformed and it was never to die again. Jesus' body is in heaven right now with God, with perfect it's sinless. It doesn't hurt like my ankle just did when I stepped just now. I'm not kidding. Like, I just got this weird twinge in my ankle. Why? Because we live in a body that's still stained by sin. But you know who's going to fix that? The one who is the resurrection and the life. You see, in Jesus is life. In a world that's so confused about what the purpose of life is, how to find happiness, how to find lasting meaning and value, this is it. It's found in Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. We talked about this at one point through the, the, the year. How many of you, and let's go do it again. How many of you remember the names of your all of your great-grandparents? All of your great-grandparents. Okay. A couple out of a room of 100 and some odd. The vast majority of us, our names will be forgotten by history within three generations. Nobody's going to remember us. But you know who will? Jesus. The one who's the resurrection and the life. The one in whose presence we'll stand. The one who is watching everything. The one who knows everything that's taking place. The one who is the fair, just judge of the universe who loved us so much to die in our place. He knows, he sees, and we will be with him forever because he is life. See, this is what John's been teaching to us. For those who believe in his name, Jesus is life. Now the question is, what's that belief? It's come all through the book. Believing is not just knowing it up here. Some of you guys, you could quote scripture left and right. You know the Bible inside and out. You could beat me in the old-timey sword drills where you pick up your Bible and turn to the page real fast. But you've never truly trusted Christ. That's not life. That's not life. It's as though you're dying of thirst and there's a glass of pure water sitting in front of you, but you're going to die without it. My challenge to you today is, are you truly believing in Christ? Have you drank deeply of Him? Have you put everything that you are in His control? Have you trusted Him? Are, what, what is life for you? What are you hoping to get out of this world? If it's anything but Jesus, you're missing the mark. So what John's been showing us is it's all about Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He is life. 
and that you can find life by believing in Jesus. Now, there's one other thing that I wanted to highlight this morning about this text. Number four, Jesus is more. Jesus is more. Flip over to chapter 20. The verse right before the one we've been going through this morning says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. Now, go down to verse twenty or to chapter 21 to the last two verses. I love this picture. Uh, you, you guys know I, I like to imagine things as I'm reading them. So, so picture this scene in your mind. As John writes through all that he's written in the gospel, he finishes off by saying this. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that could be written. John was an older man by this point when he wrote the Gospel of John. You can almost see him setting down his pen, just kind of looking out the window for a while. Oh, I didn't tell him about... There was that one time. There was that time when Jesus was with that woman. But the world couldn't even contain his faith. You couldn't, you couldn't write down what Jesus did. We've spent over 30 weeks this year looking through the Gospel of John. Some of you may walk out of here and feel like you need to print off a certificate that says, I now know the gospel of John. But Jesus is so much more. So much more. There's miracles that John didn't tell us about. There's teachings that John didn't record. Now, God gave us everything we need because we can know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and by believing in Him, we can have life in it if we believe in His name, Right? But I want you to, to spend the rest of your life getting to know this God. There's 65 other books in the Bible that teach us more about who Jesus is. The Old Testament gives us all of these pictures of people who would point to the fact that we needed a Savior. They outline for us the character and nature of God as we see Him throughout the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we have the four Gospels that teach us about what Jesus did when He was on the earth. And then the book of Acts that teaches about what the first believers did in response to who Jesus was. Then we've got all of those letters that make up the rest of the New Testament that help us to understand all that Jesus did and taught. There is so much more than just what we found in the Gospel of John. So here's what I would challenge you. Dig deeper into Christ. Get to know Him. Study His Word. Obey Him. Pray. Seek His face. Fall madly in love with the God who loved you so much to die in your place. As we're closing the book on the Gospel of John today, don't let this be the end of your time by studying who Jesus is. Because he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He is life, and so by believing in him, you too can have life. Oh, he is so much more. So much richer. So much more.
as you come to understand what each of those things means and so much more, you get to see that he is the great, awesome God who is worthy of everything with all of our hearts. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I want to give you just a minute to respond to what God has said. Like I said, I don't want this to be another YouTube video or an Instagram reel or a TikTok short that just passes by with you not having paid attention. As we've spent the time going through the gospel of, of John, we have seen that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who gives life. Would you take some time then to respond in whatever you need to do? Perhaps for you, you need to be able to say, you know what, Sean, I've never actually trusted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I've, I've known him forever. I've been in church before. I've heard these stories, but I've never really trusted him. If you want to do that, I'm going to be down front in just a minute, and I would love to talk with you about that. If you're here this morning, though, and you know Jesus, my challenge, my question for you is, are you resting in him as your life? Are you digging deeply into who Christ is and all that he's done? Living that out in everyday situations, whether that's at school or at work or at home or at the grocery store or wherever you find yourself. Maybe today you just want to stop and thank God again for all that he is and all that he's done. If you need to talk to me, I'd be down front. If not, you just do business with God where you are. In fact, just continue with your head bowed, your eyes closed. I'm down front. Come see me if you need to. If not, I'll give you just a moment to respond as God leads you. Father, we're grateful that you worked as you did through the Apostle John to inspire him to write about Jesus in the way that he did. We thank you for this book and the way that you've used it to speak to us over the last six, eight months. As we get ready to turn the page and look at more of your word in the weeks to come, we ask that you would speak to us. Help us to remember the things that you've taught us through our study in John. Help us to love Jesus better, to trust you more deeply through everything we have seen and heard. Thank you for all you have done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the life we have in his name. And it's in his name we pray.